All right. Well, here we go. Starting a little late once again, but we're going to get through this. Uh, so I've got, this is the message, you know, every week I just pray. I say, God, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to share? Uh, and this is, he just gave me these words. He actually gave me the words to the message uh, about a week ago. And then it was, took some time just as a press into it to say, okay, God, well, what are you really trying to say here? But the, uh, the title of the message is, I will boast in Christ alone. And there's a lot to this. It's a, there's a deep meaning to this. But I want to I start by actually just digging this into some scripture. And so we're going to read through this scripture. We're just going to press into the scripture. And then we're going to go, we're going to kind of talk through uh, these points that are, that are relayed in the scriptures. So if you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18. And try to kind of soak this in as we go. This is the part, like, really try to get this. I know there's a lot of scripture here, but just, and I've read it a few more times than you, so I know it's a little, a little unfair. Uh, but here we go. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miracles and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block for Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God stronger than human strength. Keep going here. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards and not many of you were influential and not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this, of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one let me say that again, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him, being God, that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. A lot in here, a lot of good stuff in here. We could, we could probably spend a few hours, but, um, but for the sake of sanity, we won't. Uh, you know, I, there's, there's two groups that, uh, that Paul talks about here. And he talks about the Jews and he talks about the Greeks. And I kind of want to equate this to today, even to in today's age. But, you know, when you look at the Greeks, I'm sorry, when you look at the Jews, they were really focusing on a Messiah. 
they had this idea of this king who was going to come and who was going to reign on earth. He was going to be the king of kings. He was going to be the Lord of lords. And he was going to sit on his throne on the earth. And the Jews were going to have the kingdom under, under the Messiah. This is not what happened. Also, you look at, you know, there's the Jews, they, they were looking for the miracles, and they were focusing on the miracles. And there were a lot of people that uh, when, uh, throughout those three years that he was ministering, there were a lot of people that saw miracles from Jesus. Interestingly enough, at the end, when he was crucified, how many of those people were actually there at the cross? Not many of them. So the Jews, they, they looked at this and they said, well, we want this king. This is who our king is. They had this preconceived notion of who their king was. And yet the real king was the one who was shamefully killed, was, was put on a cross, was crucified. The most shameful way to die. The Romans would do this. They would crucify those uh, and, and they would do this, but they would not do it to anyone who was a Roman citizen. You could not be crucified as a Roman citizen. So here's the, this is the perception that the Jews had. And then you have the Greeks. And the Greeks were those that were very prideful. Uh, they really relied on their minds, on their sophistication, on their intellect. You know, they, they did everything. They deduced everything, and they reasoned everything. And if it didn't make sense with the wisdom that they had, then it, then it wasn't right. And so they really took this wisdom that they had in the in the the philosophies and the things of that time and said, we're going to wrap our God around this. And if it falls into this area, it falls into this, then, then we can follow it. But if it doesn't fall into that, then, then they're off. And again, what does Paul say there? He says, the Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So again, this makes no sense to the Greeks. It's, it's not man's wisdom. Like you can't take from man's wisdom and say, oh yeah, this, is, this would make sense. This would be the king of kings. This would be the Lord of lords. It's completely the opposite. These are really the groups that defined humanity in that time and they define humanity today. The Jews are similar to the church culture and I'd say, I kind of put like the Greeks maybe similar to the business culture. Uh, and here, so here's the, the mindset that we fall into. We either fall into one or the other, or sometimes we actually fall into both. I know for, for a lot of us, we actually kind of compartmentalize our lives. Uh, and so we, we may be living over here in our, in our business life. And, uh, and then on Sundays, we kind of step over here into our, uh, into our church life. Uh, but we really keep those lines. Uh, there's a line drawn in the sand there that, uh, that compartmentalizes the two sections. I know that's for a lot of us. I know that's for me. When I, I mean, as I was in the business world, I would, that's kind of the life I lived. I had, I had my Christian friends and I had my non-Christian friends. Uh, and I rarely combined the two because I don't think they would have gotten along. <laughs> I think, but that was actually, it's just a mindset that I had, which was a false mindset. Uh, all right. So this is kind of the basis of what we're talking about this morning. And I just, I'm going to stop for a second and just pray. So, Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you for everyone that is in this room. Lord, I thank you that you, there is a reason for us all being here this morning. 
And Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would minister to each of our hearts. Lord, it's not the words that I say, but Lord, it's your heart that I ask that that would be released this morning to touch the lives of the people here. Father, that your words would drive deep into our hearts. Lord, that this isn't just a fun little message. Lord, Lord, this is something that is coming from your heart to our hearts. This is something that you desire for us to grasp and have a deeper understanding of. So Lord, we open our hearts this morning to hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life. I'm going to go through, and there's a reason for it. But uh, uh, So I was married. I was married. I was saved at 28 and a half years old. <laughs> oh, wait. No, 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 no. That's my dad. Start over. So I was saved at four years old. So you'll get to hear this. <laughs> I was actually saved at four years old. Um, I, I remember it to this day, just sitting down. I saw a picture of someone uh, kneeling down, and I was asking my dad, Dad, what, what is this person doing? And so he explained what they were doing, and I said, well, I want to do that. And so that was the, that was the point in my life where, where I accepted Christ. And I tell you, it's so cool. You know, we have our three kids, and that moment in time uh, when they accept Jesus is such an amazing time. It's, it's like, you know, there's birth, and then there's accepting Jesus. And those are like wow moments, like yay God moments. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to fast forward from the time I was four up until the time I went off to college. And I went to the University of Colorado. Uh, I got an engineering degree, civil engineering. And, uh, and this is where I thought, that my life was going to go. I was, I was on the business track. You know, my dad had always said, hey, if you want to be in ministry, you know, that would be great, even from a younger age. And, uh, you know, I, I saw my dad in ministry from the time I was four years old. And uh, I think from that time on, I was like, there is no way, <laughs> no way I'm doing this. <laughs> I saw all the things that, that he went through. I mean, even like when we were, I was about uh, six years old, and we had a split in the church, and uh, they tried to kick my dad out of the church there and over some crazy things. And, and I was like, man, this is, this is a horrible life to live. Who wants to do this? <laughs> Little did I know. Uh, fast forward a few years. So, so I, I, I started this career, or I started, the, and I got my engineering degree. I went off to Kansas after that. I uh, worked for a company called Black & Veatch, civil engineering firm, uh, where I got also received my master's out there from the University of Kansas uh, in engineering management. And so as I began to move forward, like, I just began to strive into these things of, of understanding and knowledge. And, you know, I was working on uh, studying leadership principles and strategies, uh, uh, negotiation principles. And, you know, my whole focus was basically how do I propel myself forward in my career. And uh, so even at a young age, uh, I was selected. I mean, it, and this is not to brag, it just, but just to show you, like, uh, there was, you know, I had this, like, drive just to go after it, to be the best of the best. And I was selected out of a group of, we had, it was like 10,000 employees, and we had 50 that were selected to basically be the future leaders of this company. Uh, and so we were groomed. We were going through special training. They would send us out of state to these uh, resort places where we would meet with the leaders and, and go through training on leadership principles and, and you know, as we were going to be the next leaders of this company. And uh, so they were training us up in an amazing way. And I loved it. I mean, I thought, this is great. You know, and at the same time, I'll say, you know, I still had a great love for God. 
I was going to church on Sundays. Uh, my dad was happy. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I, I was doing all the right things, but my focus in my heart was really on, on going after the career and going after this, this job. I worked long hours from the, from the time I started uh, my career back in 1997. Uh, I worked long hours uh, to basically strive and get to where I felt like I was supposed to go. So, After nine years of engineering, I actually moved over into another field that I really thought I would enjoy. And I actually, I did enjoy. I loved it. Uh, and it started in the home building industry and then moved into the commercial industry. But the real estate side of things, uh, I just had a passion for. And so started in that in uh, 2005 and, and began to, uh, to kind of build that career up. And uh, things, were, things were going very well. Uh, ended up working for a company called Coventry and moving over to, uh, uh, to Houston and, and started overseeing some of the largest projects in the country. And um, so just amazing things were going on. Life was good. I was working a lot, and so I didn't see the family a lot. But from the career standpoint, life was good. And uh, again, still had a great relationship with God going to church on Sundays, going to church on Wednesday nights uh, when I could. And we had two life groups we were in. Um, you know, I, I, we look back on that time, Christy and I talk about it, and it really was kind of a, we call it boot camp. There were some things that God was really training us up for, and we didn't realize at the time. But my focus was really still on, on business. And I was seeing, you know, at this point, the vice president moving up, and, uh, and things were going great. We had everything that you would want. We had the American dream until I received a call from my dad back in 2013. And it was interesting. This, at this point, there was like a shift that happened even in that moment. And, and my dad called me and he just said, and he had, he had done this many times before, and he just said, hey, uh, you know, the executive pastor at The Rock is retiring. And um, if you're interested, let me know. And... Uh, you know, we could, maybe it'll work out that you could come back and, and work at the church. And I was like, Dad, I'll just stop you right there. There is no way. No way. I'm not going. Why would I, you know, and I thought about it. I even talked to him about it. I said, why would I do this? Why would I risk everything that I had worked up until this point? All the things that I had, all the accomplishments, the accolades, the, uh, the understanding, uh, I mean, I put a lot into this, you know, uh, to get to the point where I was, you know, and then also to come back for, you know, you look at the pay, any kind of ministerial pay compared to the business world, especially when you're doing, you know, this type of work, it's, it's not even, in, there's no comparison between the two. And I'm like, why would I, why would I give that up? Like, Dad, this is ridiculous. But I said, here's the thing, I will pray about it. And if, if uh, God puts it on my heart, then fine. Uh, so fast forward a few months, and, uh, and I started praying diligently about this. And it's funny, as I did, there would be this, like, in my heart, it would kind of leap up at this. And I'd go, oh, no, 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 that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's the devil. <laughs> Shove that thing back down. Man, I... <laughs> but then every time I'd get into, into that time that, like, of prayer and just with the Father in the mornings, like, it would start to well up again. 
you know, I'd have to shove it back down and go to work. And then once I was at work, I was like, okay, everything's good. Like, yeah, this is great. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I always told my dad, like, I'm supposed to be in the business world. This is what, this is where I'm gifted. This is where I've been blessed. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and so about three months into it, this was the time where, I'm, so I'm, I'm up in the prayer room and here's what, I'm talking to God and just having this, this great time with him. And and he shows me this picture. And he, it's kind of, it was kind of a vision. It was one of those few moments where I actually like saw, he kind of took me, uh, he took me down. He showed me two paths. And he started to take me down this path. And he goes, this is the life that you're living. And he says, it's a, it will be a blessed life. He goes, the things that I have for you, if you walk down this path, you will be blessed. Your family will be blessed. You'll have everything that you've desired. You'll have all your needs met. Like, you know, the big house, the, all the, the cool things that we want, the, the vacations all the time, all this stuff, like retire at an early age, life will be good. But then he goes and he showed me this other path. He said, but this is my other path for you. And he said, in this path, this is my very best. And it just hit me in that moment. He said, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be this like, you know, this simple path and this like comfort path where, where you're going to live a life and everything's going to go the way you want it to go. There are going to be rough things that you go through, but this is my very best for you. And man, in that moment, I just like literally just cried. And I said, God, I want your very best. I want your very best in my life. I don't care what it takes. I want your very best. In hindsight, I might have made some mistakes in that, <laughs> but that's what I said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's awfully quiet. Uh, <laughs> joke. <laughs> Not a funny one, obviously. <laughs> no, don't use that one in the next service. <laughs> Put that note in there. Okay. <laughs> um, so I... One final step is that, you know, so at this point I knew this was the direction God was taking us. And I, but I had one person to go to and that was my wife. And I was like, oh boy, uh, I'm wondering what she's going to say about this. And because we had not even, I mentioned it to her. We kind of prayed about it initially. And then like for three months, we didn't talk about it. And uh, so I came back to her and I just said, Christy, I really feel like we're supposed to, I'm supposed to resign from my position here and we're supposed to go back to Colorado and, um, to be the executive pastor there. And she said, I'll never forget this moment. She looked at me and she goes, I know. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> she goes, I know, but, but you had to hear it from God. I couldn't tell you. It had to be something between you and God. And it was at that moment that we came together and we just prayed through this. And we said, okay, God, we're going to lay down everything that we have, all the plans that we have, and we're going to go after the plan that you have for our life because we know this is the best plan. This morning, I just want us to take a look at our lives and evaluate where we are, what our heart position is right now. Are we really going after the things of God or are we going after our own desires and the things in our life, the passions that are in our life? What's our, what's our mindset? And I would ask this question is, are you willing to lay it all down? 
Not that you're going to have to. I think it's, it's, you know, it's funny. Jesus said to some people, he said, I want you to sell everything, give it to the poor, and come follow me. But then to others, he didn't say that. So it's not that we all have to do the same thing in order to follow Jesus, but what it is, is it's a heart position. And this is what I really want us to do this morning, is check our hearts. Where is your heart right now? And if God were to say, lay it down, I've got a better plan for you. I've got something that I want to take you into. Are you really willing to lay it down? I believe for each of us, there will be a moment in time, and there may have been, there, I know there were many moments in my life where I could have made a better decision. This wasn't the first time, I think, that, that God said, hey, I want you to go this direction. I think this was probably the hundredth time that God said, this is my plan for you. But it's at different times throughout our life, and there's, there's, cho- there's choices that we get to make along the way. But I guarantee you, that if your heart's in the right position, you're going to hear God when that, t- when that timing is right, when, when he comes to you and he says, okay, now's the time. Now's the time to lay it down. In John 13, 15, Jesus says this, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Do you think it is possible that we could have the same mindset as Jesus? This is what he's actually calling us to do. And we say, well, that's not really fair. You know, Jesus is the son of God. Like, that's a little different. I'm not. (laughs) I make a lot of mistakes. Jesus didn't make any big difference there, right? But here's the thing. And, and I was just, as I was talking to God about this, he just showed me. He said, you know, Jesus did not have my will. Jesus did not have the will of the Father. He had his own will. So as he, as he lived life out on this earth, he didn't just say, well, I'm just going to do this because I, like, this is the will that I have. He actually had a different will from the Father. He was very similar to us, just like us, how we have a different will from the Father. But, but what he did is throughout his entire life, he said, I only do what the Father says. I only do what the Father does, and I only say what the Father says. And then when he went to the cross, he said something, one of the most powerful statements. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. If he had the same will as the Father, he would not have said this. But his will was not the same as the Father. But what he did is he laid it down. And this is what he calls us to do. Not my will, but thy will. And so for us, it is so important. These words, these are the words that should ring out in our lives constantly. Not my will, thy will. It's actually because of these words and the obedience of Jesus that we now have a relationship with the Father. Imagine what it would be like if we live a life saying, not my will, but thy will be done. I want to show you just a, a comparison here of uh, <clears throat> kind of the epitome 
you know, as we, as we try to lay down our will, there's one thing that rises up, and that's pride. There's different forms of pride in our life that rise up. Uh, but I would say the epitome of, of pride, if you look around in this world today, where do you see it most? Unfortunately, I believe it's in our athletes. Uh, let me just show you two quick pictures here. This is John McEnroe. You guys know John McEnroe, tennis, great tennis player. My greatest strength is that I have no weakness. <laughs> Let me show you the next one here. I think you guys know this guy. Mike Tyson, I'll fight any man, any animal, and if Jesus were here, I'd fight him too. <laughs> A little bit of pride. You know, when we look at, when we watch football games, it's, in, it's so interesting. You see these guys, and you'll see... You know, receiver, last play of the game, and this makes a great catch in the end zone. And, uh, and what, do you, what do you see this receiver do? I'm not going to do it up here, but you, you see the victory dance. You know, you see, it's, it's the look at me, check me out. Oh, I am so good. And, uh, and this is the attitude that a lot of these athletes have. It's this attitude of, man, am I amazing. There was, there was a ton of other ones that I, I won't show you. Um, some of them I can't show you. Uh, but uh, I was going through this list, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what do these people think they are? Who do they think they are? They think they're God's gift to this earth. Like this. <laughs> and uh, so there's this pride that comes in. Uh, and, I, you know, I see this. We see this in, actually in Christian leaders as well. Uh, you know, as, as people build up their churches and uh, or if, as they have these amazing ministries, healing ministries, whatever it is, all of a sudden what happens is we begin to think, look at us. Look at how great we are. And I think it's a constant battle. This is, you know, this is how Satan fell, Lucifer fell. And a lot of it, too, is that, that we, as, as the other believers, like, we lift that person up. And I want to say for you guys, don't, don't lift me up on a pedestal. Don't ever put me on a pedestal because the higher you put me, the higher I'm, the, the, the greater the fall and the more damage that's going to be done because I will never meet all your expectations. There's only one person that's going to meet all those expectations. There's only one person that we can elevate above ourselves, and that's Jesus. <laughs> Proverbs 18.12 says, Before his downfall... A man's heart is proud. Then it says, but humility comes before honor. We've heard uh, pride comes before a fall. This is just in another place. But it's, I just, I love the way it says this, that before his downfall, a man's heart is proud. It's the red flag right there. If you see pride, <laughs> you know, those things, the whack-a-mole, just whack it. Take it down. Put it back down. Because pride does rise up. It constantly rises up. But I want to show you kind of the other side, the, the epitome of humility here, and that's with the soldier. Maybe you can put this one up. A true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. I believe this is, this is the soldier. This is so different from the athlete. <laughs> who basically you could say the athlete just 
loves himself, period. Doesn't matter who's in front of him or behind him. He just loves himself. But here the soldier is someone that's an example of laying his life down for another. When a soldier is told to do a task, he does it not for his own glory, but he does it because he's, this is what he's told to do. This is his job. And he does it because it saves lives. He doesn't come back from the mission and say, did you see what I did? Oh, my gosh. I was amazing. Yeah. That was all me. No, it was part of the plan. It was part, you know, there was a whole plan, and there was a team set in place, and they all did this together. And so, you know, when, he, when they come back, uh, he's, he's on to the next task. He's not, he's not gloating. He's not uh, just excited about, you know, what he was doing. But he's on to the next task because, again, it can be a life or death situation. And I believe even in our lives, you know, Jesus is the head. We're part of the body of Christ, and we have an assignment. And in these situations, it can actually be life or death. It doesn't matter how big the assignment is. It doesn't matter how small the assignment is. It's whatever assignment we are given. And again, it's for his glory. It's the things that God directs us to do that are his ideas, they're his plan, they're his authority, and it's through his power that we do these. Here's something to remember. What are we? We are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? Who fills the temple with his glory? God fills the temple. So a lot of times we focus on the temple. What we need to focus on is the glory because God's the one that fills the glory or he fills the temple with his glory. I want to ask you this. If you were to write an autobiography about your life right now, what would it say? Would it be similar to the athlete or would it be similar to the soldier? The Word of God says that we came into the world with nothing and we will leave with nothing. So as we look into our lives and we make note of all the accolades and the accomplishments and the things in our life that, that we've done, what purpose have they served? I know this is not a fun, happy-go-lucky message here, but, but I want us to just take a real, just take a second and look at this. Paul says this. He says, I will boast in Christ alone. This was not just a statement. This was actually a way of life. This was the way he was living life. And it says, you know, the word says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. So everything comes from Christ. Comes from nothing else. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. So as we're striving, as we're going after the things on this earth that are so important, Be careful. I think we might be missing it. We have accepted this lie that it's okay to have the American dream as long as God is with us. And what we end up doing is we modify Jesus into our image. And that's a dangerous place to be. 
I've got an author, there's an author that I enjoy reading, and this is what he says about this version of Jesus. He says, a nice, middle-class Christian Jesus, a Jesus who doesn't mind materialism and who would never call us to give away everything we have, a Jesus who would not expect us to forsake our closest relationships so that he receives all our affection, a Jesus who is fine with normal devotion that does not infringe on our comforts because, after all, he loves us just the way we are. A Jesus who wants us to be balanced, who wants us to avoid dangerous extremes, and who, for that matter, wants to avoid danger altogether. A Jesus who brings comfort and prosperity as we live out our Christian spin on the American dream. At the end of the day, there's only one person we can put our hope in, and that's Jesus. There's nothing else. You know, the, the uh, disciples, there were 12 disciples. Actually, there were 11, and then they brought on one more. But these disciples, after Jesus left the earth, they had a, they had a choice to make. They could go back, and they could have lived a simple life. They could have gone back to, you know, a lot of them were fishermen. They could have gone back to their fisherman's life and just and lived out their lives. And, and it would have been fine. They would have just, you know, lived out in peace and had their fish every morning for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, but they chose otherwise. They chose to go after Christ. And in doing so, Acts 17 talks about this. They actually flipped the world. They turned the world upside down through 12 disciples. But they didn't live comfortable lives. At the end of the day, 11 of them actually died a martyr death. But they ran the race that was set before them. And I guarantee the rewards in heaven are so much greater than if they would have sat down and gone back to their old way of living and lived a comfortable life on this earth. God has a plan and direction for each one of our lives. And the question is, are we really going to go after it? Are we going to lay it all down to go after it? I want to read this final verse. It's Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And I believe this is the Christ that we will live and die for. It says, he is, this is what Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Wow. Are we willing to serve that God? Are we willing to serve that Jesus? My prayer is that all of us, together, that we would boast in Christ alone.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. No. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you have that you have for us. Lord, I pray that these words would go deep. Lord, that we would boast in you alone, in nothing else. Lord, that we would say that our words on a constant basis would be not my will, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you for each person here, Lord, and I thank you for the love that you've placed in their hearts so that we would make a difference, that we wouldn't live comfortable lives, Lord, that you would begin to, to shake things up for us in this season, Lord, that we would be those that go out and transform the world around us just as the 12 disciples did. God, we will lay it down for you. We will go after you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want to do. I know we're running a little bit behind. It's actually 10.30 right now. Um, we're going to take communion, and we're going to do one final song. This is a good song. Uh, so I just want us to, and we're going to do communion. I think we've done this the same way now a few times. But... Um, so these aisles, if you're in this aisle, there's a table here, a table in the back. There is gluten-free in the back, by the way. Uh, for those over here, there's, there's uh, elements up front and in the back. And then for this group, you guys have this table and in the back. And then over here on this side, you've got the table up front. There's some in the back as well. You're going to do this on your own. Uh, you're not going to wait for me. Uh, you get to do this with your spouse, with a friend. You may just want to do this by yourself, just with, just with God and just... Just pour out your heart to him in this time. Use this as a, as a response time to go to him for all the things that God is just is putting on your heart right now. Take this time to really come before the Father. I want to read, I'm just going to read this in 1 Corinthians. It says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, and in the same way he took the cup, and after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the, Lord death, the Lord's death until he comes. This is not just a ritual that we're going to do this morning. What we're doing is it's, it's an act from our hearts to say, yes. Lord Jesus, I take you, all of you. Your blood covered my sin. Your body was broken for me. And I will go after you with everything that I have.